Welcome to the Front Porch Theology Podcast. I'm Heather, your host, and I'm here with... Go ahead. Hey, you all can introduce you yourself go ahead, now. Go ahead, go ahead. Me first? Yeah. Okay, I'm Will. I'm Jeremy. Hey, hey. guys, how are you all? Hey, what are you giggling about? You were giggling. <laughs> He's got the giggles. It took her like six tries to do that intro. <laughs> I'm just happy. You're just laughing through I'm the whole thing. I'm just happy, man. He hasn't been on a podcast in like a month with I know, us. I'm, I'm back. And Welcome he's so back, happy Jeremy. for the three of us to be together. I was not supposed to be here today. I don't think actually, I was supposed to actually, be here Actually, I was originally supposed to be here, and then I got substituted with Jeremy, yeah. and then I was out, and then Jason couldn't make it, because Jason was, he was such a big hit on the previous episode he was on. The fans loved Jason they Cook. The listeners were all about Jason Cook. It's true. And, uh, I mean, I've never seen such fandom like that. I mean. For any other cook, at least. Uh, that's. Oh, that was <laughs> and, low. and so, anyways. So, then the plan was to get Jason to come back, and he, like, had to work or something. Apparently, something he's got like a job. He had to work, yeah. Yeah. Right. I don't I don't understand this. Whatever. So, then I was put back into. He didn't want the, the overexposure. Like, he's riding high. Yeah, yeah. So, he's like, if I put myself out there too much, then right. it loses its, that you know. Yeah, he's he's got a good PR manager. So, anyways, I was put back in the roster, and now it's like the OG three. Put the band back together. There we go. The boys are back in town. Only I'm not a boy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> These days you, you can, can be whatever you want. Yeah. Doesn't I'm matter. Still sweaty like a boy today. Um, it's pretty warm outside. So hey, we're going to be talking about a serious topic today. Um, church hurt. So um. We've actually had this on our list of podcasts to do since I first started. Um, well, really? That's been a long time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it must have been extreme backburner. You must not um, care about church hurt that I much. I do. You I just, kept putting it off. Um, you know, I just was waiting for the right time and the right moment. And honestly, um, I think uh, Jeremy and I did a podcast a few weeks ago Um about everything that was happening with Hillsong and stuff and uh, the abuse that's coming to light in a lot of, um, like, these mega churches and stuff. And so I wanted to kind of, I wanted us to be able to kind of, like, uh, you know, branch off of that and talk about church hurt. Now, um, church hurt and church abuse, I believe, are two different things. So um, we'll get started on that. So one of you all give me your definition of what church hurt is. Well, to me, this depends on the perspective of the person being hurt, right? Yeah. So, um, th- so I'll I'll elaborate elaborate a little more. There's several different types of church hurt. Yeah. So um, there is um, being hurt by the entire church. Someone yeah. being hurt by an individual in the church. Uh, being hurt by someone in leadership in, of the church. And there's also uh, pastoral hurt, where you hurt. Where the congregation or an individual from a congregation can just um, really abuse um, the pastor in a lot of ways. Which yeah. happens, by the way, every podcast episode. <laughs> um, you can actually see that in action. Shut your mouth. <laughs> so I think we could like try uh, to... There's one more, too. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, and there's also someone who is a part of... So like, there's another perspective that we can kind of swing in this, too. And it's somebody who hurts someone in the church. So, you know, not not just the person who who has been hurt, but the person who has done the hurt. So, um, with that being said, all that, um, do either of you all have a, a decent definition of church hurt? Man, it's, it's, it's hard to define because it, it is subjective, but I'm trying to think. I Maybe of – so, my first thought is when there's a violation of, of position – um, and I think that could, uh, we, we, uh, 
accompanied with unrepentance. So I know that seems very, maybe a weird definition, but I think it, it can encompass all of that. Because there's what we have is we have a different perspectives, different positions, and at some degree there's going to be a violation. And what causes the church hurt isn't just the violation; it's the, it's the lack of repentance that that follows it. So that's that's going to be my definition. I'm a very very simple. Okay, so I had uh, it. It could be pain or harm caused by someone within mm-hmm. the church. Yeah. Will, did you have anything kind of different no, to think, bounce off? I think that's good. Which okay, one, let's, which, let's, which one? Which one was all good? of it? Any of it? I like the others. It was okay. way simpler. Um, so <laughs> I like really simple definitions. So when I think about hurt and abuse, like abuse is, um, Jeremy, I think abuse kind of can fall into more of the category of what you were talking about, sure. where it can be unrepentant. Because a lot of times when we think about church hurt, there, I, I, I want to say the majority of the time, but I know that that's not true. But most of the time, is it is unrepentant and it's sure. hidden, um, and then let, you know, hopefully later brought to light. Um, and, and a lot of times, the abuse is uh, more of a criminal uh, related act. Um, it can be. It can be. Yeah. Not not all is, but um, so um, I want to talk. So we talked about the different types um, of church hurt and how. Um, they can be from home, the whole church, um, an in, individual member, or from um, a church leader. Um, and also the pastor can experience, a pastor or a preacher can experience um, church hurt. So why do you think that church hurt is harder for us, for for some people to get over quicker than um, just like oh. knowing someone outside the church? I I have a good idea as to why that's the case is because we have a we have a bad view of who the church is or what the Ooh, church is. That's a is. good answer. Because the reason the reason we're so let down when sinful people who are part of who are God's people hurt us is because we have in our minds that that they won't do that or that they won't sin against us or they won't yeah. hurt our feelings. Yeah. Um, that's a faulty view of people. At least this That's side good. of heaven, we yeah. should never assume that they're going to always act Christ-like. And but we we see in Scripture we're called to be Christ-like, and so we assume that everyone in the church is going to is going to be Christ-like. And then when they're not, that's that's why we, we set ourselves up for hurt in that way. That's good. And, and I like that. Like we 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 went through Mark recently, and we saw how flawed the disciples were. Right. Yeah. yeah. And you see that's when good. you study Acts, you see how flawed they are still. Um, so you get these idea these people that would call like the super Christians, right? They they fail, all they fail, um, and we're going to fail. And I want to I want to I, I think it's that, but I also think it's a that and a mix of people having the struggle of what um, forgiveness looks like. So I think sometimes when people get hurt, um, they'll say, "Okay, I'm, I'm just going to try to forget it, put it behind me." And they never deal with it, right? There's never an attempt at reconciliation, so it right. never really goes away. It just kind of weighs on them. Um, I think, I think because also there's, I think oftentimes there's a due to pride in the church. There's also a failure of repentance, which make it makes it it, it, it lasts longer. So I think I think there's the reason. I think that's reason why there's a. I think there's difficulty in, in dealing with reconciliation or how to reconcile, and um, and a, a lack of repentance. So just generally speaking, if something happens within the church between um, two members of the church or um, even a member with one of the pastors, what is what is the um, what is the role of the leadership in the church to like 
to help. Like if I if I know someone's upset with me, or just with someone else. Oh, with someone else. I mean, if it's causing like, um, I, and I know that this has happened. Probably, I, I can think of probably five or ten examples. Uh, not here. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, dear Lord, don't put them all, on the podcast, please. Um, no. I can think of examples of just um, like two members being upset and mad at each other, and then sure. it's spread around and causes more drama. And- yeah. So I know in the in the past, um, something. I mean, I mean, obviously you address it. You go to one of the individuals, um, and you. Uh, I think you talk to them, you hear them, you listen to them, and then you direct them towards a healthy Matthew eighteen approach, which is okay. Have you talked to your brother and sister about this? Yeah. Let me read that. Um, Matthew. What, you had that pulled up? Yeah, I did. What? <clears throat> wow. It's almost like we've studied the Bible and we know it's the Bible crazy. tells us how to deal with these issues. <laughs> Matthew 18, Jesus is teaching. Oh, wow. He says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. That's the first sentence. Alone. And and that is usually not the first action. Not the first step. And that's usually that, yeah. where we go off the rails before we even get reconciliation started. Um more commentary on that later. But it says, if he listens to you, you've gained your brother. If he doesn't listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two or three Uh, of you agree on earth about anything they ask it will be done for them by my father in heaven for where two or three are gathered in my name there am i among them so you you when people in the church are fighting one of the things that we've seen most often is that first sentence is violated it's not going to them alone it's first i'm gonna go talk to everybody else in the church and get their two cents on it and then i'm gonna go talk to my i'm gonna go talk to my group yeah either like what what happens often is i go to i go to the pastor or pastors um first to complain about somebody in the church or i go to my friends in the church and gripe about in a gossipy slander way right um, complain about what someone's done to me that i'm upset about yeah and maybe maybe if if you're if you're real lucky, uh, you put a passive aggressive post on Facebook. Like, Ooh, I love those. Yeah, like yeah, no one needed a thank you or something. You know, whatever it is, or like you know, whatever it is. Like these these lines that you know it's aimed at someone, and everyone's like, "Ooh, tell me what's going on." You know, or you know, praying for your sister, something like that. <laughs> Not that it's mainly women. I don't want to say that at all. You know, we could do a whole other episode. I'll say it. Um, women are very women. vindictive <laughs> and cannot work together. Um, it, it, it is. It is. It is. I, I would Without love... Without question. There's, no, it's not the same men don't gossip. Well, Jesus, men, in Matthew 18, he says brother. No, right. No, men... men say sister. I, I meant men gossip. Without question. Oh, yeah. But there is... And there's a... Man, there's a lot of... There's actually a lot of psychological like work on this that's, in, and that's really fascinating. The difference between men and women. I bet it is. And it really is. <laughs> I bet it is. On why, why women are more... Um, are, are more that use words as a weapon versus men. Uh, it's it's more like fists, right? Um, cut, you know, whatever. Custom, 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 um, yeah, it, it's there, and that 
it is so important to be done alone, uh, one-on-one, uh, but that requires someone. Well, men tend to be more aggressive, and, and sure. with aggression comes, not that aggression's good, but aggression Can does bring about more of a confrontational spirit. Yep. And so men are, men are, I think, more likely to like deal with it when it happens rather than let it fester and it's also stew about it and more socially acceptable mad. if i just stop talking to a dude it is right yeah. and you normally a guy's like oh my gosh i can't believe he didn't wave at me <laughs> right like that's not well you do that to me all the time what not wave at you no you complain if i don't wave at you <laughs> or if i don't like it's usually if i don't invite you to lunch and then you're like everything's Where gotta be gluten free or whatever <laughs> I can't I can't eat with you anywhere. I don't know why I would be expected to go to lunch with this you. This is true. So my my prayer is that you just stop asking at some point and then right. that that way. Come on, let's bring right. it back. Sorry. So okay. So but I think that I think I think for I'll in, come to you privately, like Matthew eighteen <laughs> says, instead of publicly on the podcast. We'll deal with that privately. With, with women, I think there's oftentimes more um, a pressure to be uh, uh, what's what's the right word. Um, Inclusive, yeah, well, and social. So, like, if yes. a, if a guy is not social, we say he's an introvert. If a woman's not social, she doesn't like you. She doesn't like you, right? Right? There, there. There's she's, uh, she's. She probably doesn't. Though. Yeah, like, and uh, even even how <laughs> women are. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I we getting on the topic of women is not what I had intended, I but but I will agree with you. But now we're going to get back to the real topic, right. okay? So, um, you know, you all have been pastors for, um. Long time now. I don't know how long. You don't Sorry, need... was your little lottie. <laughs> sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm, so, um, I'm sorry. I've been a pastor ten years. So, which isn't all that long. No. In the how grand long, scheme, ten of years. Ten years. Yeah. How long have you been a pastor now, Jeremy? Um, I don't know. Yeah. There was a time at Centerpoint that I was playing pastor, but I wasn't really pastor. So I don't know. Church. No, not no, that one. Different. Different. Centerpoint. Oh, yeah. Centerpoint. <laughs> I don't know what that was. I was doing something. Okay, so um, I want to talk a minute. I have a, a good friend whose husband is a pastor, and um, I want to talk. No, no, Amanda, Amanda wouldn't consider me a friend. I don't think. Remember, I'm not in that two inner two inner circle that she yeah, has. It's a very small I'm not, circle. I'm in that second yeah. circle. I'm so. not in it either, so don't worry well, about you're it. You're not in any of my circles. So. <laughs> um, so I have a good friend who, whose husband is a pastor, and we were we've actually been having a lot of conversations lately about church hurt, and it's about how the members of the church um, have unrealistic expectations for her husband. Um, for example, um, you know they both help take care of their parents, mm-hmm. um, but there's somebody in the church who's been upset recently because they haven't come to help. The pastor hasn't come to help cut their grass. Wow. Um. And I told him, I was like, hey, oh, you know, gosh. that's, that's, you know, you need to set better boundaries and ju- like, that's unrealistic expectations of you. Like, um, yeah. yeah, it's, that's what he was going back to and a misunderstanding even what the church is. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I think, uh, so when, I think when it comes to pastoral abuse and Jeremy, you, we talked a little bit on this Saturday, just that you knew someone who had been abused by their church, who was a pastor oh, yeah. had been abused. Oh, father-in-law. Um, well, you wouldn't mind me sharing it. Oh, okay. No, he, he absolutely was. Um, it was that mentality of what are you going to do to grow this church? It's all on you. And it was, they treated him like garbage. Uh, they treated his wife like garbage. And yeah, and, and it, it it was deeply hurtful. Okay, so um, I, 
I want I want to um, get to a place where you know we've kind of talked about what the right steps are if you do experience church hurt. Uh, the the example in Matthew eighteen. Um, so what what do you do though? Um, what do we as the church need to do? Um, you know, I think uh, I we think need of, to do better. <laughs> I mean, we just need to be better. I you know that answer seems so simple. Does it not? But in in, yeah, in a whole other way, it's but like what so I, complex. What I mean is not just not sin against people because you're going to, right? But but I think we need to be better at repenting and acknowledging that we've hurt people, and, and like we need if if we're not quick to repent, then we're we're not modeling the gospel. Period. And and a church that's slow to repent is a church that's going to repel people and be a revolving door. That's good, yeah. And but a church that has a culture of repentance, like I like a, a church, I think a church should, um, in the same way that we would model repentance to our children, right? Like moms and dads uh, repent to their kids when they do yeah. wrong, so their kids see what repentance looks like, and then, and then your kids also in turn repent. The church should see that as well. Beginning with the elders, pastors of the church should repent for things when things are are not done right. And um, so there's repentance, there's honesty, there's openness, and then in turn, the members of the church should should absorb that culture to say, all right, when I act like a jerk, because I will, because I'm a sinner. Um, I'm going to be quick to apologize and repent of those things. Um, it, it, it also, <laughs> also, it's not like Bart Simpson was in the other room, right? So, um, it, what gift is all, do all Christians? And what we see in, in First Corinthians that that all Christians are given the gift of love. You're right. And and love it 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 believes all things, it hopes all things, and endures all things. And so, when it comes to what I've seen, oftentimes is when there's confrontation. There is a lack. It is assuming the worst. Mm-hmm. They don't believe all things. They're not believing that their their brother or sisters is is was not trying to hurt them. It's like it's like no, they meant they meant to hurt me. And yeah, and when like at New Heights at our church, when people have been hurt, um, Jeremy's taught me this: is perception is reality. And so even if even if I don't think that they should have perceived something the way they did. Um, if they're hurt, the reality of the present situation remains the same. They are hurt because of something I did, and I need to repent of that. Like no ifs, ands, or buts. I just need to. I just need to swallow my pride and repent of that. Um, and so, like we've sure we've that's done that. A lot. It has happened a lot. Um, <clears throat> so, like we've done that, and um, but like by God's grace, like people have repented to us yeah. when they when they've hurt us or hurt you know the the mission of the church or things like that when we've had to you know go to our brother or sister and say hey you're in sin here we you know we're gonna call this out um, and those are awkward situations but they're they're so uh, life giving because it, it it roots us in the gospel it shows us our need for Jesus it, it points us to grace um, and the relationships that you walk in through that I think actually even deepen and strengthen your ties in the church it doesn't repel you away if you do it the right way now I'm trying to think I'm trying to think of a time where you and I got in a, like an argument I can only think of one I don't remember even what it was about but like we, we fake fight a lot but we haven't like a real fight. fake fight yeah I've never fake fought with you <laughs> I'm always sincerely ticked off um no, I can't remember what it was about, but like, there's a reality that I know that if Will makes me mad, it's not. I know that's not intentional, right? Like, I know that's not his goal, and that makes it easier. And I, I know this is because I know him well, but I think people in the church they they sometimes forget this. The people they do know well, and even if you don't know them well, that's even maybe a better reason why you don't assume the worst. But like, <clears throat> it's easier for me if it was if Will did something 
Um, I know this is hard to believe, but like, you know, jerkish, you know. Uh, but if he was a jerk about something, I can say, okay, I know that his intent isn't to be a jerk. Uh, he may, maybe was a jerk, but that wasn't his, his intent isn't to upset anybody or anything like that. Um, so, like, I can easily go to him and say, hey, like, that, that, that ticked me off. I didn't like that. And I know that uh, – and, and I can – gosh, I know it's only happened one time. The life I can't remember what it even was about. But it was – but, like, when when, a, when we talked about it and, and addressed honestly and openly, like, it was fine. We were able to move on. Well, I think it's just like any – like, you know, if I want to have a good, strong marriage with in my relationship with Jason, right. like, you know – <laughs> it's hard. Uh, you have to swallow your pride a lot. Um, I'm sure it is hard for you him. Have to, <laughs> I'm talking about me. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> uh, and you have to, you you have to say that you're sorry and apologize. Yeah. Um, and you have to just be honest about it. I mean, we hate, um, you know, we, I say we hate. It's I'm talking about all the yeah. we's inside of me. <laughs> we, hate, uh, we hate to be wrong about things. And, um, you know, it's not my intention to ever harm Jason. Um because he is my husband and my partner and um, father of my child. I, sometimes I physically want to hurt him. That's a different kind of hurt, though. Um, but, you know, it's not my intentions to hurt his feelings or anything. Yeah. And um, I think you have to be able to to mend those those arguments and those disagreements and um, to be able to repair the argument. I mean. Yeah. So we have a rule. Like, I don't <clears> – <throat> I do not speak negative about Julie, and I, and I hope she doesn't speak negative about me. But it's it's because like we don't want to dishonor one another, and at the same time, I don't like I. Um, if I were to ever vent about her, usually jokingly, um, but it's not something that she would be like ashamed of. Like I, I, I never air any dirty laundry that we have, and I would, and I think that that's that stemmed from Matthew eighteen. It's a little more than that because we're a married couple, but I do think that that's a good principle to have when you're upset. If if you are. Um, at, if you have a problem with someone, you right. take it to them before you take right. it to someone else. Yeah, right. that's good. And, and listen, there there are people who uh, we I mean we I won't name them, but there are people who we have we had issues with who we've taken it to, and it's not gone well. Right. Um. And they are no longer in the life of the church. Well, by the way, I I would add I think you know we read Matthew eighteen, and it seems like so old and archaic. I would add, um, not going public would be like for Jesus would be like he says, "Go to your brother who's offended you. Don't like go to the city gate." That would be like the place of public uh, announcements and commerce <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff in in mm-hmm. his day. Man, I think today it's social media, and you look at like Twitter, um, pastors, you know, scholars, theologians calling out other pastors, you know, and whatnot, yeah. and and then even like on a smaller level, you look at Facebook, and like you talked about, like the the subtle, you know, posts about how, you know, some people are horrible and, yeah. you know, it's like these real, like, subtweeting type things. Sure. Um, super unhealthy because, because in essence, what you're doing is you're going to the city gate, social media, instead yeah. of going to the person who's offended you and just being honest and be like, hey, I'm hurt by this. Yeah. And I, I think that that is an opportunity to uh, allow um, – people who are not believers to just really sure. um right to the point that that like at new heights we have a, a policy for our leadership that like you don't if you have a disagreement with someone you don't debate it in public comments yeah. on That's facebook or smart. twitter because because what you're doing is you're hashing out your disagreements in the public square yeah and and matthew 18 makes it clear it's supposed to be between you and that person alone if you have uh-huh. a disagreement you can talk about the disagreement but you're yeah. not supposed to do it publicly Th- that that's something i saw when i was Again, I don't know what I was doing at Centerpoint. 
but when I was there, I was on a thread, and I wasn't technically a pastor there, and that was something they had a real issue with. They would they would argue via this text thread. Yeah. And it was so <laughs> toxic. It was so I can think so of so many people who've done that who yeah. are in oh, leadership. I watch it happen. It's horrible. Yeah. yeah. It's horrible. It's it's and I'm, I'm like y'all got to call each other. Yeah. But uh, so so there okay so there are those people who and this is what I was trying to bring up earlier that which which we people that we have said you need to like hey we're gonna treat you like a gentile like an unbeliever. Um, but with, with that being said, uh, they probably would say that they're suffering from church hurt, that we hurt them. But I would argue that they're, they're hurt by the consequences of their unrepent, their unrepentance. So that's not true church hurt. So what, what would you say to the listener who truly has been hurt by the church, who didn't have, who didn't have the leadership in place? Um, so they're hurt by their, their like leadership? By anybody in the church, yeah, but it wasn't. There's two camps I think that we that we need to get at. Number one would be like what Jeremy's talking about. People that they're. This is going to sound harsh, but I think the Bible's harsh in this. In issues of church discipline, people who are in unrepentant sin, if they feel hurt, then good. They should feel hurt. If you're in a position right. of unrepentant sin, they're just in sin, the wrong. I mean, right. honestly, if you are, if you're sinning and you and you're refusing to submit to the will of God, and the church says you need to repent. And you say, "Well, the church hurt me, and I walk away." You should feel hurt right. because you're you're not walking away from friends at the church. You're walking away from the will of God. The, the purpose of that pain is chastisement. It's been exactly, back. exactly right. the The point of that hurt is to bring restoration to eventually see God's goodness leading you to repentance, so you repent and come back into the church of Jesus. Now, the second category would be, and this is a this is a big category of yeah. of church leadership that operates in an ungodly way and doesn't handle. Um, conflict in a way that that is honoring to Jesus, and people are hurt, and people walk away from the church, and and the church doesn't properly seek restoration, um, and that's and that's an injustice, right? right? And so the if if you're in a position where the church has hurt you or disciplined you or you know kept you at arm's length, I think I think you need to look at your own life with an open minded um, uh, lens and say, am I in sin? First of all. But if but if you are not in sin and you're really confident that you're not in sin, then it might be a time where you admit maybe I was in an ungodly church um, yeah. or a church that wasn't wasn't practicing um, good ecclesiology and church polity, and so maybe it is time to move on to a different, more more biblical church. So what are some ways that pastors typically, pastor leadership, end up hurting people? Um, and and you know, and I don't I don't mean in the way that we were just talking about where. The hurt was meant to bring about chastisement and restoration, right, right. but some sinful hurt. What are some ways that pastors do that often? Um, I think I think it's um, I think one of the most frequent ways that that pastors hurt people is by using them, yeah. uh, seeing them as like a cog in a ministry wheel rather than like real people created in the image of God. Um, yeah, because they—that's be- one of the most common, I think. They become they—they they become useful only to them as long. I mean, they're—they're they're valued as long as they're useful. Yes. And they're, uh, yeah, they're, and right, they're not. I cared. need volunteers. I need help. Yeah. I need you know. I need you to do this. And if you're not doing this, then you know you're not important to me. Yeah. Um, and then I think also, um, I think a, an overreach of control is is abusive and sinful from pastors because the Bible does place pastors in a, in a role of authority um, but that authority can only go as far as the Bible goes um, but an overreach of that authority um, to the point of control 
I think is sinful and um, and unbiblical for pastors to to kind of dwell in, which is why I think the the church is told to have a plurality of pastors. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I think uh, I think another one would be when there is an issue, a lack of grace being shown, right? Versus approaching the issue with with grace, um, usually with a with a heavy hand and um, I don't want to say judgment, but because that you know, I, I think y'all know what I mean by that. Maybe I'll say that just for lack of better terms. Um, but yeah, maybe a lack of grace on how certain people are going through and dealing with certain things. Well, in the first century church had to had to deal with conflict a lot more um, because they couldn't just walk away from it as easily. Because yeah. like we it, like if if I get mad at at New Heights and I live in Milton, like Milton Baptist their building's closer to to my home than yeah. New Heights is, right? I just go to another church, like no big deal. And that's sure. that's common for almost everyone in America. Like if Sad. if I'm mad at this church or the, or I don't like them or there's conflict, I can easily just go to another church. When the in the first century they didn't have that. It was like the church at Ephesus. Like that's it. You know, yeah. the church at <laughs> Corinth. It's like, well if I'm mad at someone in Corinth, it's this guy sleeping with his dad's wife, you know, as I'm mad at him, I was like well, we got to deal with it because we're the church of Corinth, right? That's it. And um, and so I'm not saying it's wrong to have lots of churches in a city, but I, I do think that's created an atmosphere where it's easy for people to just walk away rather than do what the Bible says and, and seek reconciliation. So like so that we should seek reconciliation, but how do you know, um, this is a question for you, Jeremy, mm. how do you know mm. when it's time to leave your church? That's a good question. When should someone leave, <clears throat> leave a church? Oh. What would the markers of that be? Um, okay, so I think I think one of them could be <laughs> um, not quite a mic drop, but uh, anyways, I think one of the, I think one of them could be a, a an abandonment of of scripture um, and and how they practice certain things. So whether it's from their teaching or even if it's from how they go about dealing with, say, church conflict, like uh, I, I think is a good example. Um, I also I, I do I have a I'm trying to think, because um, I think one of the big things that I find alarming is the desire for celebrity pastor, desire for um, their own mm, their own glory, and that's just something you're going to have to like discern and look at and say, okay, I, is does my pastor care more about his fame and his ministry? Um, than than people or or specifically than the kingdom of God, so I think I think some of it's going to have to be discernment on the ground as you see things play out. Yeah. Uh, I I've I mean there's been times where I've I've uh, I mean I haven't been to a lot of churches in my life, but um, one of them the con- where I saw easily the congregation abusing my father-in-law like we left that church. Um, it was not healthy. That's not a group of people that I wanted to worship with. Um, and there's a you know, there's a lot of there were a lot of issues that to me it was a toxic environment. Yeah, and we were close to it. Obviously, it was my father-in-law, my wife's my dad, and but I, even if it wasn't, I don't I wouldn't want to stay there. Um, Center Point um, was the was the next church we went to, and that one it was actually my advice they closed down and be absorbed into New Heights. It's actually how I met Will, but that um, you know there here's an example of where elders refused to teach. Um, they were having me teach, and you know. The, the role of elders is that they are able to teach. Yeah. And I remember they said, well, we don't, we don't, we don't think it should be interpreted like that. I'm like, okay. Um, so I, I kind of, I think I did them a disservice because I taught there for about a year. Um, 
and then uh, you know, as far as and eventually was somewhat convicted by it because I'm like I'm I'm not a pastor here, but I'm I'm pastoring even though I shouldn't be. Yeah. And uh, so I think when when people when these elders, so-called elders, are refusing to shepherd or do anything, in fact, they all they did was backbite, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that was a good reason to leave. I've I, there are people I've told they should leave their churches, not not for disagreements or preferences or even like minor theological issues, but I definitely think one another reason, yeah, is the is the um, the pastoral abuse that I think a lot of people uh, experience when. When people are used. And, and so I, I want so to talk prevalent. on that for just a second, the pastoral abuse, because, um, you know, I think, you know, when we, we see that happening a lot more mm-hmm. um, in these mega churches and these churches in different states. And, you know, a lot of... It doesn't have to be mega churches, but it, it seems like It doesn't have to be yeah. mega churches. But, I mean, this is happening sure. locally, too. I mean, well, we, Sure, it's, it's because... Well, I mean, think about it. You have, you have a... How do we determine what's a successful church? I think different people would have different answers. Most people think it's size. Most people think it's right. size, yeah. the number of people in the church. Right. I mean, it. it other would... other pastors. When I get that all the time, when people go like, "How so? How big's your church? Yeah. How's your church doing? Yeah. When they say, "How's your church doing?" They're not like, "Oh, are they, are they faithful? How are they and spiritually? Gro-? Right. Doing they're the, being like, the, is your like, church growing in numbers? What's your number, man? Yeah. yeah. And so that that is the. I mean, like the SBC does this all the time. It's actually really gross. They had a conference not long ago where they brought in this is not a joke um i did not go to this This is something told to me um by a couple people that went uh but they brought in the big they the way that it was told the who's who of pastors and i hate that i'm like the who's who of pastors so we brought in celebrity pastors and they told us the secrets of how to grow your church (laughs) that's not a joke and they mean in numbers. They don't yes. mean in like discipleship. Yes. They and, mean in numbers. Yes. And so yeah. I think when that is your goal, we have to reach. You start treating it like a business. And I know there's an aspect financially. You 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 know you have to be somewhat business minded, though it's not. We're you're not worried about profits. Right. But but you have to be responsible. But when you start treating people like commodities and start looking at okay, we you know we you know our our uh, our what's what's the right word um. Our brand, uh, when that becomes the all-encompassing concern, and and that's what they te- that's what they're teaching, and that's what a lot when they they mean I don't think they mean to do that, but I think that's the fallout of what they're doing. Yeah, there. I think I don't think they start with that intent. No. Like, but it, it, somewhere along to the way, the it crosses that line. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it is a good thing to grow your church. Um, I mean, if if you're doing what you're supposed to right. be doing, your church will it, you know you will be growing it in a sense. It's the motive. Yeah. Right. If if I if, if if I desire to grow because I love the Lord and I love the people, that's one thing. If I want to grow the church because it's like, man, I really want to be successful. Um, I want to I want to have made it. I want to be one of those guys, the who's who. When people start talking about these are the who's who of pastors, what that tells me is that these pastors, you know, they're there's something to look up to, there's something on a pedestal in which you hope to aspire to be. Aspire, yeah. Yeah. And, and rather right. than no, I aspire to be more like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, and so when that terminology is used, naturally I think what follows from that is what you use people so you can get to your aspiration. That's so good because you know what? I mean, there was probably a time in my life that I was like, man, I really want to love and teach my Bible like Beth Moore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Instead of like be more like Jesus. I, yeah. I, I think it's so, it's so easy to fall into that. And that's what, why you have to be so careful of it and just check your heart. Yeah, that's a one I haven't 
heard in a while check your heart <laughs> um um that's a that's a whole nother problem but yeah. okay so i, I want to kind of wrap up with with like two questions so you know believe it or not we do have listeners um uh, from we, different places <laughs> some who are pastors that we hear from from time to time some who go to other churches and then our, our members and don't forget our fella in qatar wherever he is i don't know dubai i don't know dubai that's what it is I remember. Uh, yeah. I thought that was brother a, in Dubai. Yeah. Um, so I want you to let's talk to the pastor um, uh, who maybe uh, is being hurt by his congregation or who has left um, his church because he's been hurt or has walked away from the church mm. um, because of hurt. I've seen that. Um, what What's the next step for them? What would you What would your advice be to them if you were just sitting down to have coffee with a friend just to talk to him? What would be the next step you would advise them on? Um, so depending on where they're at, I've had we've had several. Actually, one of the biggest compliments I've ever gotten is, and we've had I think three that I know of. People come here they they weren't planning on staying at New Heights, but they said they need to come here just to heal. And that was one of the biggest compliments. I mean, truly, it's a great I think compliment. it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the reasons we decided to come to New Heights was yeah. just to kind of... I wasn't even talking about you guys. I think we said yeah. it. I think Jason <laughs> said it before. So. Yeah. No, some of these people, I mean, I knew they weren't going to stay because yeah. theologically they were different. Yeah. And, and um, But they needed to heal. And one, one of them um, was a wanted to pastor uh, again. And my advice simply was, you, if you have a desire to pastor, that's fine. But if your church is unrepenting from from what they're doing and you bring that to their attention and they're not willing to be led, well, then, you know, I, I my advice is to find a church because at some that, that will because um, at some point um, they're going they people can, I think, be such a discouragement and hurt you so much. It's going to hurt your desire and it's going it, to it will just like any relationship you with, it's going to give you baggage because at some point that church is going to go away and maybe you'll pass another one. But it, it's that baggage of the abuse is going to carry with you. Yeah, it just doesn't go away unless right. unless you. So I, I would truly handle it. Right, my thing is you yeah. handle it, you address it, and if they're unrepentant and like nothing changes, you know, nothing changes, then you you move on. Um, that's really tough, and I think sometimes it's because. We think, man, if I can just keep pushing, things will change. And even that, that's prideful because I would say you're not going to bring about their change. Like you can't change their hearts. That's the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so you you say it, you you give them an all you know for lack of better terms an ultimatum. But like, hey, like this has to change. Um, if you don't want to be pastored, that's fine. You know, or by me at least, you find somebody else. Um, but to the so to the person who is, uh. I've also met people who I've said I think it's a season. Maybe where you just sit out for a while, yeah, and just heal. And at the end of it, don't count out saying, "Oh, I don't desire it," because sometimes you can have a really bad congregation and they don't desire that congregation, and so they have to determine: is it that I don't desire to be treated like that again, or I don't desire to pastor anymore? Right. And so that sometimes needs a lot of time and prayer. So I think sometimes yeah. they just need to sit and just be taken care of. And what would you say to the listener who has been hurt? Um, in the church, either by the church as a whole, as a pastoral, or lead, you know, someone in leadership, or even just a, an individual member, um, what what would your advice well, be? Well, if Matthew I, I out the window, if that time is gone, and that's just not realistic. Yeah, yeah. Let's just say that is. I mean, you and yeah. Will spoke beautifully about what Matthew eighteen says, and, and I know sometimes it's not realistic. Eighteen or twenty eight. Eighteen. Okay, yeah. I'll try it a moment. <laughs> um, so, I, I, my my advice would be. 
uh, to pr- pray for them and pray for chastisement for the individual who's unrepentant. Yeah. So I, I've, there's many people who I've, they were, they, the, they had tried Matthew 18. Yeah. They, the pastor was unrepentant and they were angry and they felt guilt for their anger. And I said, listen, there is good anger. This is an example of it. Pray that the Lord chastises him, her, whoever to bring them to repentance. Yeah. And we don't, that seems weird to do. David does it. And, and chapter 12, if you want a good example of, of the Psalm, um, Psalm 12, uh, where he, I mean, he's a little more harsh. He talks about like, cutting off lips and tongues and stuff, but um, it is a prayer of chastisement in order to bring about repentance. Um, so, you know, use that as, as a as a jumping off point. Um, so, I think I think that's a good place, and to know that if you've truly biblically been hurt and done wrong, God is angry at what you're angry at. Um, God's upset about it, and that's it's okay good, yeah. for you to be upset about it. No, that's really good. I think I think the last thing we'll leave our listeners with is just to remember what Will said in the beginning. Yeah, I had a lot of good points. <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah, that's true, Will. Thanks, you did. Will. You did. Yeah. Um, I just remember what Will said. I think church hurt a lot of times is unrealistic expectations on our brothers and sisters and on our pastors and their our, uh, leadership teams and stuff. Um, we are all human. Um, we all need... I think we all need to remember that we need to extend grace to each other. And um, that's something that <laughs> is a struggle, I think, for all of us yeah. at times. I mean, um, so uh, listeners, if you have any questions about the topic of church hurt that we weren't able to cover today or something more specific, um, please submit that in on our uh, New Heights app. Um there's an opportunity to do that where you can ask a question. You can choose podcast so we can answer it here or one of our pastors can um I can answer it from the pulpit, from the stage. So I'll say thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.